For a couple to maintain their relationship without it deteriorating, they have to spend about 90 minutes together per week talking about their lives, and they need to go on at least one date per week. Two would be better. That is basically your minimum commitment level if you don't want things to deteriorate. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. One of the many peaks in Utah's Wasatch Mountain Range is Mount Timpanogos. It is only about 30 minutes from where we live, and it is one of our favorite places to go exploring, hiking, and off-roading. In fact, one of our favorite intimate date nights is taking the Jeep off-road up the mountain to a remote viewpoint where we are totally alone. We watch the sunset over the valley and the lake below. We play music, connect, talk about our lives, plan for the future, and solve the world's problems. It's so much fun. And just around the corner from there is another favorite place. It's a well-known protected national monument called Timpanogos Cave. And I've often thought about what it must have been like to be the first person to step into this mystical place. Think of it. For thousands of years, this cavern sat dark and hidden in the granite mountains. No light had ever penetrated the stone walls. And the only sound that was ever heard was the drip drip drips of the water. Then one day a settler happened upon it and the first candle revealed all the secrets inside. The cave was filled with underground pools, sculptured formations of stalagmites and spiraling helictites. Was this strange and mysterious place and how was it created? So the master architect of this cave was of course water. Water rich with minerals entered the cave, drip, drip, drip by drip, depositing minerals over thousands of years to form these beautiful sculptures. Such a tiny repetitive action, such as those tiny drops of water, which compounded over time, created some of the most beautiful wonders on the earth. So today we want to talk to you about intimacy and how to create more intimacy in your relationship. But first, why? Why why do we need more intimacy? Great question. There's no question that humans are designed for intimacy and connection. We enter this world with a basic instinct for connection and attachment. In fact, our survival depends on it. As we get older, our survival may not wholly depend on it, but our physical, mental, and emotional wellness certainly does. Yeah, and time and time again, research has shown that human connection is a basic fundamental need. When we have little intimate contact, our lives are emotionally empty. Lack of intimacy is associated with higher levels of anxiety, depression, and aggression. In fact, during COVID-19 lockdowns, research showed that those who had regular sex during the lockdowns had significantly lower levels of stress, depression, and mood disorders rather than those who didn't. And we'll discuss later why sex is only one type of intimacy. And it's through intimate relationships that we feel seen, right? It's where we find meaning and where we feel meaningful. It's where we merge ourselves with someone else. 
And without having that merging, how else would we know and experience things like empathy or compassion? How else would we receive feedback about our own behavior, about what's appropriate and what's inappropriate? Intimate relationships is where we learn, where we learn to love and where we learn to be loved. Mm, I like that. So the mental, emotional, and physical benefits of intimacy are pretty much undeniable. And yet, why is it that we try so very hard to either limit or avoid intimacy? In fact, very little terrifies most people more than human intimacy. And so we put up walls to prevent us from experiencing it. Why do we resist the thing that enhances our lives with rich and vibrant tones and colors? I don't know. Well, maybe we should talk about that a little bit. Okay, I think we should. I think we first should get clear about what intimacy is because people often define it in lots of different ways, right? So intimate intimacy is just sex or no? No. No. Okay. So what is it? Well, Helene Brenner is a clinical psychologist and an author, and she describes intimacy as a one-on-one connection that involves a synchrony between two people. Oh, I like synchrony. Mm-hmm. And the simplest way, I think, to really describe what intimacy is, is the degree of closeness between two people. And like to going to your question, to clarify, it isn't just sex. But oftentimes we hear the word intimacy and that's the first thing we think of. That's what we automatically assume that it is. But there is a significant and distinct difference. Sex is certainly one aspect to intimacy, but it isn't equivalent to intimacy. It's possible to have intimacy without sex, and it's possible to have sex without intimacy. Okay, we're going to need to talk about that. Okay, let's do it. As we see it, there are five primary categories of intimacy. One, physical intimacy, which includes sex. Two, emotional intimacy. Three, intellectual intimacy. Four, spiritual intimacy. And five, recreational intimacy. And you and your spouse are the master architects of intimacy in your relationship. Anything that enhances or strengthens your relationship, every positive thing you do, every time you intentionally connect, enhances intimacy. Just as the water slowly drip, drip, drips into the cavern year after year, forming these spiraling, beautiful columns of art, Every positive thing that you drip into your relationship will enhance intimacy. And as we said a few moments ago, we put up these walls to intimacy. Yeah, I know. That's such a shame, right? Mm -hmm. So before we talk about the five ways to improve intimacy, I think we should first talk a a little bit about what holds us back from intimacy. Yeah, and there's a lot of different things. We made a very long list, and as we looked at the list, we realize there's really two major barriers. Because they fall into two categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two really big common ones that we see are fear and resentment. So fear is a massive barrier to intimacy. It can be fear of loss, fear of abandonment, fear of judgment, mm-hmm. fear of being rejected. We just don't want to put ourselves out there and risk rejection because sometimes that's too much to take. And we see that a lot in the comments that we have on our social media posts. For sure. And these fears that we have are usually remnants from our childhood. We learn really early in life, you know, age two, age three, we learn to avoid the pain of loss because pain hurts. 
And because pain hurts, our unconscious mind wants to wants to create certain beliefs that it thinks keeps us safe, that it thinks protects us. And so we put up these walls. But the heart is not full when it is starved for human connection. These walls don't actually protect you or keep you safe. I'd say quite the opposite. That's because when we put up walls to avoid intimacy, we're empty, lonely, and often depressed. One of the things that we do on our coaching clients is we try to get to the root causes of these fears and then help them overcome them. And one of the things you could actually do right now, a really good question you could ask yourself is, what won't happen if I don't let down these walls? What won't you have? What won't you experience? And allow yourself to just ponder those questions for a few moments. Hmm. Okay. The next barrier to intimacy is resentment. This is really important to work through resentments quickly. The longer we let resentment fester in our relationship, the higher the walls go. If we let resentments build, there is less interest in sex or really any kind of connection or intimacy. When there is resentment, feelings of contempt then start to creep in. I really think resentment is probably the number one barrier to intimacy. And as such, what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk about resentment next week in an entire episode on it and give you some tools and ways to overcome it because it really is such an important topic. Yeah, we couldn't cover that today. So let's go through the five ways to build intimacy. What do we need to drip, drip, drip into our relationship? Okay, number one, physical intimacy. This is the first. People are pretty familiar with physical intimacy. In fact, lots of people think that this is the only kind of intimacy, which it is not. Physical intimacy encompasses both sexual and non-sexual affection, such as hugging, holding hands, cuddling, kissing. Touch is incredibly important in relationships, and it's significantly correlated to higher levels of relationship satisfaction. Yeah, I was actually just doing a call with a client this week, and it was an early, early call, like the first call, really. And they were sharing about the conflicts that they were having in their relationship and the struggles that they were having, and they fight a lot. It's one of the big things they were seeking help for. And they said, but we never, we never fight in front of the kids. We're I mean, always a plus. We always make sure we take it in the other room and the kids never hear us fight. And I said, well, what do the kids see as far as intimacy goes? What do they see with you, your connection? What kind of an example are you setting, your ki- setting for your kids as far as physical intimacy goes? And she, they both got pretty quiet and said, you know, we don't ever hold hands. We haven't been physically intimate in a year. Like we haven't really done any of that in a long time. Yeah. So while it's good that maybe the kids aren't seeing you fighting, not so great that they don't that you're not modeling the relationship that they want to have and they're not seeing that you love each other. Yeah, cause that's, that's super important. That's super important. Yeah. So that then there's sex, right? Also, and that falls under physical intimacy as well. And we're we're talking about intimate sex. We're not talking about the hookup sex that's so popular in today's culture. The truth really is that real intimate sex with the one and only person who really knows you is totally different. There's a richness and meaning and connection when you have sex with someone who really not only knows you, but cares about you. 
there are lots of relationships that are missing this type of sexual intimacy. And that's unfortunate because this can lead to more resentment, being disconnected, becoming generally unhappy, miserable, and even leading to divorce. Yeah. And it's sadly much more common than we would like it to be. About one in four marriages are actually sexless. So that's something we need to work on. That's terrible. Okay. Here's the good aspects of of physical connection and, and sex. So did you know that when you cuddle and you have sex, that you create, that you secrete oxytocin. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Oxytocin is the hormone of bonding. It is the feel-good hormone that makes people feel closer, and it's secreted by both men and women during sex. Oxytocin combats depression. Oxytocin is the super glue of relationship. There was a study where they studied two types of relationships in men and women, one where the guy was constantly getting his needs met in a committed relationship, i.e. sex and orgasm. And the men that were in those types of relationships, committed relationships, long-term relationships where they're having, where they're having their oxytocin released, they demonstrated less seeking behavior towards the opposite sex than those who were in non-committed relationships, having these casual hookup relationships, or even just not getting it as often. And seeking behavior is, means what? Well, I mean, they're, I think they're just prowling around looking at, at other women, if, since this is guys constantly seeking for the, you know, maybe the next opportunity or the next something. And probably comparing to what they have at home. Yeah. Know? Or if they, even if they didn't have anything at home. So, I mean, the key is like a committed sex life, a committed intimate and physical relationship. That is going to superglue your relationship together. Yeah. And why would you not want to? I mean, I don't know. Why would you want to lose out on something that is so pleasurable and so revitalizing? And, you know, we mentioned oxytocin. I also just remembered that it's also the hormone that is ex- ex- um, secreted when women have a baby. It's the same hormone when a woman is breastfeeding her baby. Why? Because it's the hormone of bonding. So, so superglue for relationships. Superglue. Superglue for relationships. Yeah. I like that. So we think you should probably create some new rituals in your relationship around physical intimacy. So this could be things like, you know, one of the things we really love doing when Robert comes home from work and, you know, he's had a stressful day is we just love to cuddle on the couch and watch a movie. And that's that's something we do quite regularly, almost nightly. Yeah. I mean, even if I'm not even if I'm not having a stressful day. Yeah. And, you know, holding hands, like one of the things we do a lot is hold hands. I always reach across the car when we're driving and and reach out and grab your hand and hold your hand in the car. Yeah, and I think as we talked about creating these rituals for just connection with your in your relationships, I think the, the physical part. So like when I come home, I always go to look for Charlotte and I just want to kiss her and hold her. Even if it's just for a couple of seconds, even if I have another project I'm doing, I just I just want to make that connection, just that just that physical connection and even before we did this podcast, she was a little bit stressed about something. So I just, I held her for six seconds. And I, I oh. tell you, you can just feel, you can feel the emotion release. And I deleted happen. an email that I'd been working on for about 45 minutes. And he came through the door home from work and I was like, oh no, this just happened. And I was frustrated. And he just grabbed me and he just hugged me for a few minutes and just put his forehead against my forehead and breathe, just breathe. And we were just breathing together for about six seconds. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I feel better now. He's always really good about making sure he gives me lots of, of physical attention because, of course, that's my love language. Well, I pro- that's probably why it works so much. Okay, number two, 
emotional, emotional intimacy. This involves a willingness to be both vulnerable and trustworthy while we're revealing deeper thoughts, feelings, and needs. We've covered this a little bit before. Yeah, we talked about this in the past episode because remember, vulnerability requires trust. Vulnerability and trust go hand in hand. And if we abuse our partner's trust, they're not going to be as willing to be open with, with us and be vulnerable with us again. So, so let's talk about some ways that we can create more emotional intimacy in our relationship. So I think probably one of the best ways is an exercise we do with our clients where we have them write out and share a story of their past, things in their lives that made them who they are. We do this because when we share past personal experiences, particularly from our childhood, it develops emotional intimacy. We do this especially during non-stressful times to create more empathy during stressful times. Yeah, and let me just give you a quick example of, of this. I recently received a text from a client and she and her husband had been going through something stressful outside of their relationship. So it was career centered and they were they were really it was a very stressful thing. And um, she had gotten pretty upset about it. And her husband looked at her after she'd just been angry and he said, you know what, I just love you so much more and find you so much more attractive right now. And she was surprised because it was a difficult thing. and. She asked him, why? Why would you say that to me right now? And he said, because I know you. I know you and I know your past and I see how much you've overcome. And knowing that when I see you navigate these difficult things, these difficult conflicts with so much grace, I'm just more in love with you than ever. And I think that's the magic, right, of sharing sharing everything about ourselves is that it's and really, that story just choked me up, and it's a great illustration of the power of vulnerable sharing. Well, wow, that's awesome. I like that. All right. The third type of intimacy is intellectual intimacy. This is the intellectual connection between two people, and this can include conversations around current events, cultural events, or any intellectually stimulating topics. Having a health intellectual intimacy requires being open to different perspectives other than your own. For example, we were in the sauna the other day and we were listening to a podcast, Andrew Huberman, right? Mm -hmm. And he was talking about this cold plunge and how it has lots of benefits and metabolic benefits and all these things. And, and Charlotte thinks it's a great idea that Let's we do it. That we, yeah, we do that. And I'm thinking, this is a girl that doesn't like to be cold. If I hate she wants to cold. go dunk in cold water. I'm on the inside. I'm thinking she's not going to last long in there. At least I've done it one time and I don't want to do it again, but. I think she's nuts when it comes to that, but that's okay. I think, I think sometimes we learn to respect one another's perspective. And I think if we're avoiding intellectual conversations, one of us in the pairing is not being accepted or recept accepting and or receptive to the other person's point of view. Yeah. And he ordered us a, an ice bath tub, <laughs> which is coming any day now. So we'll let you know how that goes. Look for that on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Okay, the last two forms of intimacy are spiritual intimacy and recreational intimacy. We build spiritual intimacy through having conversations about spirituality, religion, moral values, life after death, these types of related philosophies. And I know we probably sound like a broken record here, but remember, you and your partner are different people, and you're going to have different ideas when it comes to these different types of philosophies. So, 
Remain curious and listen to your partner non-defensively. Don't shy away from having these conversations. Just be open to one another's ideas. This is super critical for building intimacy and building trust. And I know in our relationship, we've had a lot of conversations around this and challenging even some of the ways that we were both raised and some of the beliefs that were both installed and kind of figuring out what all of this means. Yeah, and I think as you navigate these conversations with grace, with some emotional intelligence and understanding their backstory, it becomes, you develop a little bit more empathy and, and you start to try and see things from the other person's perspective. Again, just remain curious. The last one would be recreational intimacy. And this is spending time together, enjoying one another's interests, whether that's family time or just the two of you, whatever those might be. Perhaps it's concert or theater, or maybe it's walking on a beach or trying out a dance class or a yoga class, or maybe like us, it's, it's off-roading or boating or taking walks or taking vacations. It's simply about adventure, play, and fun, and sharing one another's interests. Yeah, so for us, this looks like Lake Powell trips and boat trips, and we love going out in nature. We love being adventurous and going outside. So it's, you know, we take the jet skis out or we plan camping trips. And Robert's really good about the beginning of the year. We get out our year calendar and we plug these things in first because they're really important to us. And we make sure that we have at least three or four camping trips during the summer. And we have our Lake Powell trips. And that's part of what enriches our relationship are these recreational types of I don't know. I, w- I was thinking that we you, you never know that when I come home, sometimes I say, hey, we're going to go camping today. And and the best part about that is be spontaneous because I think that Charla does a great job of just accepting that with me at times. Those are some of the best trips, actually. Yeah. These are the, and so as we look at these five areas that we can enhance intimacy, these are the drips that drip into our cavern of marriage. These are the actions that over time create beauty and meaning in our lives. Jordan Peterson said, for a couple to maintain their relationship without it deteriorating, they have to spend at least 90 minutes together talking about their lives each week, about how the house is run, about what they've been doing in order to keep their stories up to date. And they need to spend at least one day a week having a date and two would be even better. But that is really the minimum commitment level if you don't want things to deteriorate and you want to have this intimate relationship. And I think we'd agree. I think it is a bare minimum for us. We fight for those times with each other and, and because we really want to do that. That's why I put things on the schedule. So let's simplify this. Humans have a basic need for intimacy. Check. It's imperative to eliminate the barriers around intimacy, likely by releasing old fears and clearing out resentments. Check. Pick out ideas in each of the five categories, physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and recreational, and talk about ways to enhance these in your relationships. Check. Spend a minimum of 90 minutes per week, hopefully more, talking about life. Keep your stories current. Schedule conversations around the dinner table or take Saturday morning drives to Starbucks so that you can sit together alone and really talk. Check. Lastly, date each other at least once a week, and sometimes more. So let's backtrack to what we said at the very beginning of this episode. Remember, every positive thing you do to enhance your relationship will enhance intimacy. It's the small and simple things that drips into your cavern that build intimacy over time. 
You are the master architect of your relationship. Since you are the master architect, let me ask you this. What is the one thing that you need to stop doing today that will improve intimacy in your relationship? Yep, you just thought about that. Let's write that one down. Next, what is the one thing you need to start doing that will improve intimacy in your relationship as well? Write that down as well. And start making these changes in your relationship this week. Well, that's a wrap for today. If you found this episode helpful, will you take a moment to leave us a five-star review? It really does only take about 30 seconds, and it helps us to reach more couples that are desperately looking for ways to strengthen their relationship. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.